We are here live, more or less, from Las Vegas. With Mark Anthony, I'm Rick Rosen, and this is Good Sports. Good morning, Mark. Hey. What's happening, buddy? All right. It's a great the morning if you're a Patriots is... fan. <laughs> <laughs> gee, Rick, what is gee, Rick, what is the topic of sports this week? You know, Mark, I've been a lifelong Raiders fan. And there's really not many more teams in the, in the same sport that hate each other more so than the Raiders and the Patriots. I mean, the Cowboys and the Redskins and all that, but the, for the Patriots and the Raiders, this is old AFL stuff. This is, this is, is Al Davis and you know what I mean? And they, they've never liked each other. I'm a big Raiders fan and I am happy that Tom Brady got his suspension over it was asinine in the first place. It's asinine now. It's asinine that the NFL says they're going to appeal. Here's what the judge said. Judge Richard Berman said he overturned it because there were significant legal deficiencies. Roger Goodell's a freaking attorney. Why would you do something that has significant legal deficiencies and then, you know, and then appeal? I, they've got no shot. To win an appeal, you have to say, okay, this here, here's what the guy did wrong. Here's what he read into it. And people have been saying and saying and saying that there's nothing there. And the judge mentioned it is the same uh, uh, suspension that guys get for steroids. And he says there's no comparison. There's no comparability between taking a little bit of being. Uh, what they said was just because you're aware of somebody else doing wrong does not make you uh, culpable for their actions and Brady destroyed his phone and the NFL was wanting him to do all their work for him. There's ways of finding out what was on that phone. What, what he said, there's cell tower records. There's all that stuff. If they had legal standing mark, they could do it. They, there are, there are workarounds to get what they, what they said they wanted and, and Brady destroyed it and blah, blah, blah. You know, that every conversation is a two way conversation. Is it the only phone that has it on there? Yeah. So they could have gone to the ball, to, to the ball boys or the manager or whomever it was and to give us your give me your cell phone you know as broad reaching as is anyway the nfl took it right in the right in the keister and uh and uh significant legal deficiencies judge richard berman has said uh, it's not gonna fly so tom brady uh, and he said immediately give them a chance he gave the nfl chance and swallow a little bit of that unearned pride and they wouldn't do it. And so now, now wonder attorney Roger Goodell, who I have no respect for whatsoever, um, has screwed up again. How this guy maintains his job because the owners pay him. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, he yeah, controls it, them, but but they uh, to a point. But when they're the, they're the guys that have to put their signature on your paycheck, then then you know who are the inmates running the asylum or vice versa. So they hire him, and I, I actually, I'm almost positive they could fire him. This is a significant well, thing in in that process. I actually uh, read an article on in uh, Fortune. It was more of an editorial thing, but the guy in uh, Fortune magazine made a very good point to own it. To own an NFL team, you got to be rich, which means you got to be pretty freaking smart. So you got yeah. a room full of really smart, rich guys, but they keep paying this idiot to run the organization. So you got a bunch of and he is an idiot, smart guys getting dumb. You know, it's like yeah. why? Why do they keep him there? You know, when you think about it, Mark, look at his disposal to get this done. Whether it's, you know, I'm not, I think that it was a problem that the rule was on the books and the in that organization went outside the rules and did something and they, they, they got caught. It happens in NASCAR every freaking race. Somebody does something, not everybody gets caught. But, you know, they hired Gary Nelson away. NASCAR did because he was so good at cheating. They said, we, we, we have no way. It was the Frank Abagnale thing. We have no way of catching you, so we're going to hire you. Right. And if you can't beat them, join them. And that's that's what they did. And so now Gary Nelson is director of of, of tech for uh, uh, NASCAR, and it has cut the the cheating significantly because they fought fire with fire. <laughs> it takes a thief to catch a thief. All those all those little sayings, all those cliches, are germane. 
And when you think, okay, Roger, Goodell, what the hell were you thinking? You know, it is a rule, and they did they they did circumvent the rule or do whatever the hell they did. Penalty, I mean, should be a punishment fitting the crime kind of stuff. Take a little bit of air out of the ball or take steroids. You know, take take something that enhances your performance. Uh, you know, so four-game suspension. Consider that he gave Ray Rice a two for knocking the crap out of his fiancée in an elevator and said, oh, we didn't see it all. We did, You know, get your head out of your ass and see it all. If you're going to make a multi-million dollar contract and a, with a billion-plus industry, you better be making correct decisions. You better have all your I's dotted, he's crossed, the commas in the right places in the sentences. Those things are all important. And what in the hell an attorney is doing screwing that up, I don't know. But if I was an NFL owner, I'm telling you what, I'd be re- relentless. Every single time I got to talk to somebody, I'd be saying, "Where? what do I have to sign to get this guy gone? Because he's got to be there's got to be somebody that they know, somebody that's already in football somewhere that can do a better job. And I think there's a whole phone book full of a better job of Roger Goodell. And I hope this is one of the nails, if not the nail in his coffin, that gets him gone. He's no Pete Rizal. Uh, he's a, he, he looks like a freaking baseball commissioner in some of the crap that he does. And I, uh, you know, so I have no respect for him whatsoever to think that that, that same brain that came up with two games for punching your girlfriend and knocking her completely out. It's not like she slapped him and he slapped her back. Okay, not, not cool, but okay. You know, I think most people are all right. She hit him first, so hey, no, don't don't you know, don't don't get in a fist fight with me if you're not real good at fist fighting. And then I think people, I think people understand that you hit me, I hit you back. Okay, it was a fight, but this guy just door pops his babe, knocks her out, drags her out of the elevator. Oh, we didn't see it. We didn't see all that. Well, why not? It was the same company that it was the same people that gave you the initial footage. Uh, they edited it for your consumption, and and the, and the real thing he neglected to say that we didn't think that was important. Him dragging her ass out of the elevator while she's unconscious, like she was, you know, uh, some paper that he dropped or something like that. Get here! I got to get this out of here. I'll, you know, where where's the garbage? Um, I, I don't think Goodell uh, has much shelf life left in the NFL, and and rightfully so. And I hope this is the end of this era, and they'll go on to something, you know, uh, um, whatever. I mean, the, the guy's not been in, incredibly terrible, but terrible enough that you know we love the sport. We like we like football. Quit screwing it up, dude. You know, <laughs> keep the guys in line, let them play, and uh, and sit back and shut up. I think Roger Goodell should be like a referee. If you have, if you don't hear him, okay, then things are going good. But I think that, I think this guy's ego is getting is getting in the way of uh, uh, an incredible sport that it, that is pro football. So, uh, by the way, speaking of pro football, Mark, and speaking of those uh, of those type of things, um, you know, we do m- most of what happens here, Mark, in Las Vegas that we uh, are allowed to uh, to have a part of, um, including boxing somewhere other than uh, than uh, MGM. Um, we see these. We see different athletes. We see them not in the arena. Most people only see Tom Brady playing football, or when he's making a commercial or something. You know what I mean? We see these guys uh, in the lead up at the at the press conferences and those kind of things. And and you talk to them afterwards and ask them some questions. And so you develop a liking for these cats. One of the worst things, Mark, that that I've had to do in my covering sports here is come to the realization that some of these people paid a desperate price to perform, to, uh, to entertain me, to entertain us. And that desperate price generally comes from mushiness, from, from incredible, uh, devastating injuries, uh, long lasting damage to their head, to their brain, to that function, that thing that makes us all work. And Dr. Dean Sicking, the man who brought us the safer barriers, which stands for steel and foam energy reduction, said to you and I, Mark, that he had a concept about trauma to the head for boxers and for MMA fighters. 
I spoke with Dr. Sicking uh, not too long ago in the last few minutes, actually. And I believe, Mark, that this this is as sport-changing, as landscape-changing uh, a development, certainly that the safer barriers made to NASCAR. I believe Dr. Sicking is going to have the very same effect in, in, in what his – what his cushion technology does for the combat sports, whether it's boxing or mixed martial arts or even the things that are that are somewhat on the periphery of that. I mean, do you call hockey a combat sport? I don't know. They wear helmets and they hit each other. So, you know, it's some kind of and they got stakes <laughs> and people get hit with all those all those kind of things and, and sharp blades on their skates and everything else. But the one thing that they really just can't can't overcome mark is is the head injuries and i believe that uh, that this safer technology this cushion technology that dr sicking has has brought to the world is going to reduce head injuries by a significant amount by much more than 50 percent mark and i and i will ever do much more uh then, then facilitate that deal. You know, put this man in touch with this man, and let's get this going. But there was an article yesterday, and I believe I, I sent it to you, uh, on Yahoo Sports about the kids coming into MMA. And just as I've said, I've seen kids come into come into Golden Gloves boxing, and they were four and five years old. And if we didn't allow them in the ring, they were over, and Dad was working with them on a bag or footwork or whatever. And these kids start real early. And that wear and tear on that head, it, it, it just it just goes up exponentially. There is no time off. There is no off season in boxing or MMA. It goes year round. So you know, guys used to have, uh, get some time off from football to, to recover. Now that's almost really not the case, Mark, because they have so many uh, voluntary workouts and this and that, and whatever. But I don't think they're really a great deal of head trauma and those kind of things. But in boxing and MMA, you cannot avoid it. It's part of what you have to do to get ready to do it for real. I mean, it's like a preseason game every day in sparring. But I think that's where the damage comes, Mark, to, to these kids and, and to these young men uh, and women uh, for the most part. You know, Ronda Rousey doesn't ever hurt anybody's head. <laughs> she, she might twist your arm into, a, into something that Rubik couldn't undo. But she, uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't do a lot of damage to heads. Uh, uh, but in, in sparring... I'm sure she gets kicked in the head. I'm sure she takes some blows, and I'm sure. And ten years down the road, you know, when you forget where you put your car keys while they're in your hand, yeah, shit. So they pay a steep price to perform for. You know, we look at Muhammad Ali. Feel very, very sad about Muhammad Ali's situation. He had the good life. He got something out of it. Some of these guys get nothing out of it but brain damage. And they, they weren't world champions. And they didn't make anything, but they, they barely, it's a hobby when you don't make any money from it. And you're pouring everything you have back into it, which is what guys do. You know, they have to buy a robe and trunks and gloves gear and pay for gym time and all that stuff. So some guys do it, man, you know, and corner man and cut man and the whole shoot match. And, and guys will make a thousand bucks for a fire. They're in, they're in 995 of that, you know. No, <laughs> and uh, so they don't have anything to show for this other than the inability to speak when they're in their 30s and 40s. Mark, Doctor Sicking is going to uh, is going to the very same impact on on the combat sports mark that he did on NASCAR, and I think it's an incredible thing, and I'm so happy we get to be a part of it, man. Well, it's it's like we were saying when when we met him is that you know if if we can keep both the sparring partner and and the fighter yeah. safe up until the moment of the fight, the fighter yeah. goes into the ring in much better condition to basically Absolutely. do what they're supposed to do, entertain us. Yeah. You, yeah, know? you bet. You know, and then also you don't have to die to entertain me. I'm good. No. No. Also <laughs> yeah. it just looks like you're dying. That's why I kinda like movies. <laughs> also like like you just said a lot of the damage that we're seeing now in the players in their retirement years actually started when they were six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. And so with this helmet, if we can catch them at that age, you know, we can enjoy the sport and they can enjoy the sport much longer. 
because of what is basically a simple technology. But it, it, it you know, absolutely. But it's an incredible technology. You know, I mean, safety pins are a simple technology. So are zippers. You know, I mean, some things, some things are really cool that are simple. Uh, and and uh, as Doctor Sicking said to us, Mark, that's his, that he likes that simple. He likes simple and 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 get it done. And we don't need bells and whistles. And I think the headgear for the boxers. And, and, and like I say, if you just think of the number of sports that I think are going to be affected by this development mark you look at you look at the pro bull riders <laughs> them are some tough little sons of guns that are up on top of them bulls but you know again even when you even when that eight second buzzer sounds and you still got your hand in that rope and 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 here comes frank and and shorty and jesse to save your ass you still are going to get thrown off that bull very few guys just step off and and so you know that then they have that head trauma, and if this if this will absorb seventy five to eighty percent of the force to your head, man, I yeah, I, I I think this really is an incredible day, Mark, and an incredible time in sports, and a lot of that has to do with Dean Sicking, and uh, you know what a what an incredible thing it was, man, to 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 spend the few hours that we uh, wouldn't you have liked that to have been about a few months with him, rather <laughs> <laughs> just a few hours. It, 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 you know, it's like I said on Facebook, it was three hours of looking at uh, bus stops, but it was the most fascinating three hours I've spent all year. Oh, God, yes. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a tremendous thing, Mark. And again, um, I I really think that it's uh, it's tip of the iceberg. Uh, what uh, what far? And uh, you know, uh, speaking of boxing, Mark, and they had trauma and those kind of things. They're having a box fan expo. Uh, on September 12th, the day of the Berto uh, uh, Mayweather uh, fight, which is going to be the fight that Floyd Mayweather uh, ties Rocky Marciano's record, uh, undefeated record. And Floyd says it's his last fight. And, you know, Floyd's an oddball. There's there are there is precedent for guys not breaking a record, tying it and calling it good enough. Yeah. Floyd doesn't need the money. Um, you know, I don't know if he needs the continuous ego scratch that you get from that, whatever it is, but Floyd says, this is his last fight. You know, a lot of guys say that and don't really mean it. I think Floyd has enough cash in the bank that he, he may very well mean this. Uh, you know, he's, he, he kind of dances to the beat of a different drummer anyway. So if this is Floyd's last fight, uh, I think it's going to it's going to put the spotlight on boxing temporarily but then you have to say okay who's left uh and, and there there are no superstars even though there are some kids that probably deserve that status that, that we kind of anoint them with uh, more freely than we should as the press um there are some uh, there there are some some former stars uh, you know, that's that's one of the things about boxing. They don't wear helmets. You can see them. They're not in a car going 200 miles an hour. They're right there in the middle of the ring in front of God and everybody doing one of the most primal things they can do, and that's mano y mano or or or, or, or womany womany. Well, whatever. How do you say <laughs> womano womano? Whatever it is, whatever the political correct and all points in between, I suppose. But you could have, you know, the Bobby Riggs, uh, Billy Jean King thing. Uh, anyhow, the... The expo, the sport, expo. yeah, the, the the sport of boxing leaves you with guys that are done, that still are connected to the sport. Um, you know, not all football players go into the broadcast booth, and you kind of lose track of them. And uh, they can walk through through Walmart and not have to sign autographs. Nobody recognizes them. Mark Schlereth, who's who's on ESPN, was a was a Denver Bronco. He's a big son of a gun. Now he, I think he lost close to a hundred pounds when he got done playing football. And uh, he's just a big guy, another another big guy, no matter where you are. But boxers kind of have that. Everybody knows their face. It's like cheers. Everybody knows your name. Everybody, you know. And, uh, and and so this box fan expo that's coming in on the twelfth. My goodness, Mark, did you uh, did you see the rundown of who's going to be there? It's I I think it's incredible what they're talking about of who's going to be uh, doing what to whom and how. And, and, and you're talking about Boom Boom Mancini's going to be there. Roberto Duran's going to be there. That rundown of who is actually going to be at the, uh, at, at the Box Fan Expo, wow. I mean, it is, it is literally mind-boggling to think of. The, I mean, it is a who's who of sport. Some of them are here because 
because it's the Mayweather fight and it's you know it's history and and, and and this and that. But some of these guys, man, I mean, if you if you got something better to do on September twelfth, it better be a really really good thing if you're a boxing fan and you don't head out to this uh, to this fan expo. And yeah. it's at the convention center market. It's not in a, in a casino. It's at the convention center, uh, and uh, I think it's I think it's going to be really really cool. so. Uh, we invite all our friends to go, uh, all our listeners, uh, go to the Box Fan Expo and see what's what. And, you know, and uh, uh, it, uh, let me see, uh, Ray Mancini, Jesse Vargas, uh, Mike, Mike McCallum, the body snap. You look at who's going to be there, Mark, and just the, the few uh, press releases that we get. Man, it's going to be a heck of a time there at the convention center on uh, on September 12th. So are you going to go? Links will be on the website. Okay, good deal. And I think that's I think that's always a good time. Right. <laughs> well, you never know about you. Sometimes you have other other business interests that you have to take care of, and other obligations. Yes, other obligations. Yeah, those those two. Yeah, that that's all right. Those are those things happen. So um, uh, I, I just don't. Uh, I, I just. Uh, don't think that there's a, a reasonable excuse, Mark. If you're if you're a good uh, fan of boxing, that people don't go and and, and do that. So, um, you know, uh, we're going to be there. Uh, I don't, I'm not certain that we're going to broadcast from there. We're trying to figure out if we can if we can do that. But if not, we're going to get some great interviews and have them on our show. So, uh, you know, we'll get we'll get phone numbers and have on guests following that too. So, it'll be a big big weekend of, of of for boxing fans. I mean, I think it's a much bigger thing than the Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fight, and I, I don't think the fight's going to be a whole hell of a lot different than most of Floyd's fights. And it's going to be Floyd not getting hit and hitting somebody and outpointing them. I don't think you're going to see a knockout in this. I don't think Berto has, and he's a two time world champion, but. You know there are the they they have those have been devalued. Those world championships have been been devalued quite a bit since there were only six world champions at any one time in the world. Uh, to now there's 600. I, I mean, if you think of all the different weight classifications that they've got and all the organizations that call their champions world champions, they can't all be world champions. Uh, you know the WBA and the WBC and the IBF and the WBO now. All have separate champions. There's not many uh, parts of boxing, divisions in boxing, that are unified. That the title, one guy holds the title. Floyd actually gave up some of his because he wasn't going to pay the sanctioning fees and and whatever. And you know, there's no sense in in bribing somebody that you don't <laughs> that they're already doing what you want them to do. So uh, uh, Floyd's given up some of his championships, but you know. People used to be able to name every weight classification and, and, the, and all the fighters, all the champions, and what they used to get there. Um, uh, you know, uh, how, how you get to any point is all kind of predicated on what you do leading up to that. And uh, uh, these guys, I, I think the old fighters really have a, a great deal of, of wisdom to pass on uh, to, the, to the youngsters. And, uh, you know, if you, ha- if you have a son or daughter that's into the combat sports, uh, I think this would be a great, great time to go go kind of see who's who and what's what and see some old old fan favorites. Man, you know, hands of stone. Roberto Duran's going to be there. If we can get – just think, if we can get Ray Leonard on there, we, uh, I want to sell tickets real quick. <laughs> All right. What else is happening out there? Well, uh, Cardale Jones, uh, one of the one of the three quarterbacks that uh, helped uh, Ohio State uh, win the national championship last year, left practice and went to the hospital with a headache. Now, I I'm thinking I've had headaches before, and I'm certainly given some headaches, but I don't know that I've ever known anybody that had a headache that had to go to an emergency room about it. I mean, considering it's not like the guy was sweeping up the floors. He, I mean, the training staff and the, 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 the medical care that is there with Ohio State, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe out of an extreme sense of overcaution, the kid went to the hospital. But I, I think there's prob- that's probably a deeper story, Mark, than what has been let out right now. Uh, so... When you're you're talking about, they had the three quarterbacks. Braxton Miller move move over to wide receiver, coming off his injury. He's not an NFL quarterback, so I think it's a good move on Braxton Miller's part. But I'm telling you what, that's a hell of a of a safety net to have, to have a guy on your roster who's playing another position, 
who can play quarterback and has played quarterback and has been part of a national championship, uh, you know, at that position. So, um, but Cardell Jones, uh, well, I don't think he was carted off or anything like that, Mark, but he was removed from practice, sent to the hospital with a headache. And that's a, you know, um, they got more quarterbacks at OSU. They're very deep. And uh, I think they have a real good chance of defending their, their, their national championship. But, Cardell Jones was a big part of that last year. You know, he was one of the three. They kept, you kept saying, okay, who's next? Hey, here's here's a great quarterback, and here comes Cardell Jones. I mean, you got Braxton Miller, and then here comes Cardell Jones, and then they go to the national championship. And, and sure enough, they got, you know, you thought maybe the equipment manager was probably a pretty good quarterback at that point because they kept bringing these guys out of the woodwork. So, you know, when your third-string quarterback is good enough to win you the national championship, you're probably pretty deep. Yeah, just, you are. Just off the surface, you're thinking that's that's a depth thing. Um, by the way, Mark, uh, speaking of depth, and uh, which this has nothing to do, it's not a segue. Um, uh, there is no more Jen Welter in the NFL. Do you know what that means? No. Uh, Jen Welter was a, a, a coach. They've uh, hired her at the start of the uh, of the season for the Arizona Cardinals, and. Um, she was a, an intern coach, and now that the regular, the preseason is over for, for all intents and purposes, uh, tonight uh, is the final round of games, uh, preseason games, and she's not going to be on the sideline for the Cardinals because her internship has ended. And they uh, a, a great deal of, of to-do was made about her being an NFL coach, and they, they reiterated a couple times, and it didn't go way out of their way to say it. I think they enjoyed the the publicity. It's kind of like with Danica. Yeah, she's racing in NASCAR. Uh, she's got she's got a, a smaller chance than than I do of winning a, or at least a, a a slightly better chance than I do of winning any actual race. But you know, she's there, and we're enjoying the PR and, and all that stuff. And I think the very same thing with Jen Welter. Uh, she was an outside linebackers coach in the NFL. She got some great experience. I would imagine that we're going to see. You know, we have, what is it, the Sin City, what, what are they called? The, the the lingerie football league team here in Vegas? I know you've covered yeah. them or uncovered them <laughs> when you're talking lingerie. <laughs> we know what yeah. Victoria's Secret is. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the, I, I think you're seeing women, uh, more women, certainly more women playing now than there were 10 years ago or whatever. Jen Welter being on an NFL staff certainly was a, was a significant thing. I mean, uh, 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 one of the great moments in women's history, at least, you know, suffragettes and all that, all that stuff, is when the, the first NFL woman's coach met the first NFL uh, woman referee. And they, they were in the same game. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, Mark, you're old enough to remember this. When, 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 when there was a black quarterback – whether it's Warren Moon or Doug Williams or or Marlon Briscoe was was the first black quarterback. Uh, uh, not really. I mean, they used to have them in the twenties, and then they rediscovered racism, and and so. Uh, but but in the modern era, Marlon Briscoe with the Nuggets or with the Denver uh, uh, Broncos was the first black quarterback to take a snap from center, and that was in the sixties. That was in our lifetime, Mark, and. To, to think of the of the strides they've made to include women not only as as viewers as fans but as part of the deal I think it's cool and I I, you know, I applaud them and uh, the Cardinals did not fire her or anything her internship ran out so I think you'll see Jen Welter be be invited back I, I don't know if they're going to have her on their regular staff but certainly that's a step in the right direction you know yes, uh, sir. Uh, guys guys go up uh, that way and and so now that that, that that's available for women. I mean, imagine the opportunities that there are there for her to coach a women's team. What? what how much more credibility do you have with your team than saying I, I coach I coach NFL players? So you go over and do what I tell you to do because I know it works because it works in the NFL. So I think uh, I, I think Jen Welter did a tremendous job. Uh, she didn't stick out like a sore thumb. The the coaches and the players all responded to her and 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 respected her. I, I I haven't heard any reports of any problem or anybody smacking her on the ass on the way by like she was just one of the fellas. And uh, oops. <laughs> Uh, that, you know, <laughs> there is a lot of butt touching in, in sports. That's really, you know, I mean, if you did that, if we, if we were at Dairy Queen and you did that, the freaking cops would be here. You know, hey, good job on that Sunday, dude. 
you you made one hell of a DQ. Congratulations and smack him right there on the butt. You know, you'd be you'd, you'd be getting your payday really nicely on the on the way out. But but for big tough NFL people, yeah. hey man, nice play. Let let me have a let me check out one of them ass cheeks. <laughs> hey, if that's right there, oh, it was supposed to be. You know, so. Um, but anyway, I think Jen Welter did a, did a, a good job, at least from all reports. I didn't see much of her. But uh, uh, by the way, Mark, um, we, uh, we we do have to uh, take a short break here. Uh, you know, we, we have bills to pay, too. So uh, uh, we just want to let uh, people know that you are listening to Good Sports here on GoodSportsMedia.com. And I'm Rick Rosen with Mark Anthony. We'll be back after these brief commercial messages. You pay your bills? Really? <laughs> I'm sure it's how trying, dude. <laughs> okay, I just got a letter. Uh, okay, no, we're good. Okay. Um, all right, welcome back. I'm Rick Rosen with Mark Anthony. This is Good Sports. And uh, kind of heading around the far turn. And, uh, down you. the stretch, Mark. Uh, go ahead. I, I'm full of answers, amongst <laughs> other things. <laughs> well, 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 it's 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 just an observation. The last couple couple of weeks and I was going to say this on the last show um, the Williams sisters in in uh, tennis mm-hmm. there there just seems to be a larger amount of media on uh, on them as if they're about to retire you know yeah I think they are Mark. everyone's looking I back at their career now and what they meant to tennis and before I let you this one I've noticed the women tennis players are just vicious. Oh, my God, are they vicious. Yeah. You know, it started with grunting. Monica Sellis, you know, and she grunted like a guy. It's what it sounded like. Sounded like a guy either taking a really, really good crap after three days of constipation or somebody lifting something really, really heavy. You know what I mean? And, And that that grunt and then everybody said well look she's winning the grunt must have something to do with it so that's what you hear at a tennis match you know it used to be so pristine well that going on at wimbledon 30 years ago or 40 or whatever it was you know it was kind of funny because they were um this was on espn i think they were interviewing some other tennis players that that came up during the williamson the william sisters era and how they have you know, they came in, they challenged the the, the uh, sisters, and then they retired, and they turned around and go, well, I chose family over the game. I could have won more games had they chosen family. Listen, they can still have family. <laughs> those, those kids will have a much, much nicer uh, nursery now <laughs> than if they started their family before. You know, Margaret Court played – uh, and I think she won a tournament at seven months pregnant, Mark. So that's, you know, Damn. that's where, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, so it's not, uh, it's not unheard of that, 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 that the women are able to mix family because I mean, guys can too, but they don't have to carry the kid around. Right. So, you know, it, it's a tougher, it's a tougher thing to do for the, for the women and the Williams sisters have been good for, for tennis, Mark, I do not want this to sound racist, and I and I do not mean it to be any kind of racial thing, other than an observation. As our athletic things that are done here, damn near every sport, when they have integrated, it has made for a stronger pool of athletes. When the blacks were excluded from baseball. Baseball was good. Pro baseball was good. But when Jackie Robinson came into the league, it was two years and he was the MVP. It was, it was a very, very short time between, before the dominance of, an, of a group that had not been included was very evident because you have a before and after that you can measure. You can do that with, with tennis too. Althea Gibson was the first black uh, heroine of, uh, of tennis. And then it was a hell of a long time. Arthur Ashe on the on the men's side, and that was a hell of a long time for anybody else came along. Golf had nobody. Golf had Charlie Sampson and and and, and a, a, a couple of of 
people that probably would have been stars, Mark, didn't get the opportunities, weren't allowed to play it in the Masters and, and those kind of things. They just got that second-class citizenry shoved right down their throats, and they, they left them out. Tiger Woods shows up. Now it's a, now it's a thing where, where it opened up, and you brought in more athletes, and you get, that, you get those people coming in. The, the Williams sisters did that. Venus was better than Serena when they started. Venus was uh, was was further along maturity wise. Just that couple of years made a difference. I think Venus was better, but Serena had Venus to learn from. Venus only had Serena to beat up on. <laughs> Serena Williams had somebody better than her that she used as a, a, a and leapfrogged Venus now, and now she's going for the for the Grand Slam and hold all four titles: uh, the U.S. Open, the Wimbledon, the French Open, and the Australian Open at one time. She's got three of the four of them in the bag. The year's not over yet. Last time somebody did it was Steffi Graf, uh, Mrs. Andre Agassi. And um, as you, as as we look at this, Mark, what they have brought to tennis is is exceptional tennis. Now, how their their story is not one of those. I don't think it's an incredibly feel good story. Uh, their dad, um, Richard, I believe uh, Williams, uh, is a jerk. He's a jerk, buddy. Buddy got done what he said he was going to get done. He did what he, you know. Okay, here's 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 what I'm planning on. I'm planning on having two kids, teach them how to play tennis, and they're going to make us rich. All right, the guy was right, jerk or not. He he got her done. So he did it. now, now there's not a whole hell of a lot left for them to do. Mark, it is a grind. There is no time off. And and women want to, you know, not women, but people, I think human nature, we, you, you want to start families. You want to have that normalcy. Okay. You made enough money, retire. You can, there's other things. Venus is a good looking, uh, very, very athletic, you know, I mean, athletically gifted uh, individual. And I think there's some other things that Venus, uh, Venus and Serena uh, both may, uh, uh, both may find themselves in not too distant future, whether it's movies, whether it's some other form of entertainment, whether it's retiring to the beach in Tahiti and never and dropping off the face of the earth. You know, I think there's more for them than that grind that is tennis. And it, and it has become big business, Mark. And they have, they have corporate sponsors and all the crap that they have to do that you see grind on, on the people who, you know, look at the bowl riders, these guys that they, their, their relaxation moment is not dealing with the, the hat manufacturers and the boot manufacturers and the people that sell belt buckles and all that crap. <laughs> their, their time to really relax is when they're sitting on top of an 1,800-pound bull that would like to kill them, you know, stomp on them, stick a horn through them or something. So that's how they get away. The, the stock car drivers, you know, they get out of the car, and, and they imagine how much time it must it must take them to get all their sponsors in. I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank Chevy and Joe's Donut Shop and the, the the people that make the brake pads and and the water company that you know and on and on and on and they have eight or ten sponsors. Well, with with NASCAR, since we're there, that's what really surprised me when I when I started to cover the NASCAR race out here. Victory Lane, Victory Lap, they bring the car into Victory Lane, they take the picture, you know, the uh, graffiti's flying, and then they stop, and then they change hats, and then they do it all over again, and then they stop, and they change hats. You know, it's like, how many sponsors do you have? Yeah, too many. Too many. Listen, I, I guarantee you, I've got photos. And I think it was Jimmy Johnson when he went out here at the Speedway. Hmm. Three or four years ago, Mark, and I stayed till the last dog was dead. I was one of like four photographers still there when they got done with the hat dance. And you know, the the, the first one, they 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 put the hat on the guys, and they're all woo. And they hold up their, you know, by the yeah. time they're to the tenth hat, they put the hat on the guys, and they're like woo. Uh, <laughs> by, the time, by the time they got to the twentieth hat, they're like, no, but but it is funny because. <laughs> Because by the time they get to that 10th sponsor, they have ran out of uh, graffiti. 99% of the yep. media people have left. Confetti. Yeah. You know, and they're not graffiti. Well, all right. You know, but yeah, <laughs> it was just so funny to sit there and watch because there were so many of them. And, you know, and I mean, even, even the Vegas girls behind them are just like, yeah, okay. How many more yeah. sponsors do we and, have to thank? 
And you, you hit the magic word, Mark. My, my dad used to always say it's easier to find 10 guys with 10 bucks than one guy with 100. Right. All right. So sponsorship in, in NASCAR, that's, a, that's an enormous amount of money that goes into one car, one to field, one team. So nobody sponsors everything. Uh, very rarely does that occur. I, I guess DuPont and, and, and whatever the t- company they are now with Jeff Gordon uh, pays most of the freight. But even he had to take on some additional sponsors. So when these, you know, and Vegas is the place that I think is probably the, maybe Daytona. Uh, but Vegas is the place where everybody comes and they do business. And, and, and so a lot of things are done here. But all the, all the sponsors are here. Maybe when they're racing at Iowa or they're racing at Kentucky, not everybody shows up. You know, the people that may manufacture the water or the or the, right. the, the, the lug nuts or whatever, they're not there. When they come to Vegas, they're all here. And imagine how much time every driver, you know, hey, these people put up a hundred thousand bucks or a quarter of a million dollars or whatever and they get a little decal this big on the side of your car that people are supposed to read while you're going by at 190 miles an hour. Mm, okay. So uh, that doesn't happen. But imagine I pay a quarter of a million dollars to put my decal on your car. I want some of your damn time. And when they're here, everybody's all here. They either take all the sponsors, you know, and put them in one room and, and, and let the guy do a meet and greet with 20 people which never happens, or they have to go from place to place to place, from tent to kiosk to whatever it is, uh, to to meet with these sponsors, Mark. And it is so time-consuming. I mean, they're, you know, everything's so orchestrated in NASCAR. They, they, they put out the, the, the things to us, as you know, where Jeff Gordon's going to be in the media center from 10 to 10.30. That means at 10.31, Jeff Gordon's ass is walking back to, the, to, to his garage to get in the car and go. Everything is timed. Practices from... From, from 1230 till 1247. They don't mean 1248. They do that because, okay, there's something that's going to go on at 1248, and, and you're going to be in the way if you're still out there doing your thing. So everything is so orchestrated. And when they get all the sponsors there, it takes, you know, it does take family. You mentioned with the with the, the tennis players. It does take that family time from these guys. You know, most of them are young, and they have young kids. Damn near all the drivers have babies now. I mean, it makes it, we get the press releases, this one's pregnant or that girlfriend or this, this wife or, you know, whomever it is. And then when do they have time with the kids? They're traveling 40 weekends out of the year. They're somewhere other than home or 40 weeks out of the year, you know. And uh, so they don't get a lot, of, a, a lot of time with their own family, much less with the sponsors and everything. So, you know, when we get a chance to mention, if we can read the little the little uh, 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 stickers on the side of the cars, I think, uh, you know, we, we owe it to them to, to mention. Okay, this is what it said. I think I let – me, let me go back and look on the camera because I couldn't read it when you were going by. What's the – Mark, let me, let me ask you. What's, what's the biggest yeah. type of fan support you've seen at the Speedway? When we're out here, I mean, I've seen some. Uh, go ahead, I, I'll tell you mine. But you know, I mean, pe- people uh, tattoos or, or or flags or whatever. What's the biggest show of fan support you've seen? Wow, the tattoos, the clothes. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, um. Uh, uh, oh, God. There's a baby carriage, a, a baby stroller made out to be. I think it was uh, Kyle Bush. Somebody had a yeah, baby it was. <laughs> that looked like Kyle Bush's M&M car. Yeah, absolutely. Like, really? Cool. <laughs> what a great idea. Um, well, for me, at least the most impressive that I've seen was the girl, woman, and woman, uh, who had... You see that? Uh, I such believe a it was her right there. Well, her right breast, I believe she had the number eight in the font that was on Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car when he was driving the Budweiser eight. And it was, I mean, it looked like she just took a chunk of that car and put it right on that nice boob. So on the other boob, she had his autograph. Where he'd autographed and they, they, they copied it. I said, did you have him autograph your boob? And he went over the top like that. She said, no, I had to actually take it from a piece of paper. But it is his autograph. <laughs> and I said, so, so I said, well, did, did, have, have you shown Dale? <laughs> 
and she, she grabbed hold of me, dude, and she had a hold of me like she was keeping me from falling off a cliff. She's like, no, but I'd love to. Like, okay, I'll take you over there, and we'll do, you know. I, I don't really <laughs> think that's going to fly in this in this wholesome atmosphere that we have here with NASCAR. But, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I thought about her, and the reason, I mean, yeah, they were nice boobs, but we did our I was going to say, I'm sure you thought them. about them more than just yeah. once. Well, but 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 you know how I feel. I mean, being a breast cancer survivor, Mark, boobs boobs just kind of lost some some real meaning to me as far as the overall scheme of things. You know, boobs are hanging out there. Um, uh, but I, I I thought, wow, what happens to her now that that he a is no longer driving a bright red car that says Budweiser on it, and number eight, he's now driving that multicolored eighty eight. Where did, where did she put the other eight? How did she fix that? You know, I guess she thought he was just going to drive the eight forever. And so she's probably hunting down Teresa Earnhardt, <laughs> stalking her, waiting for her to make a – boy, you talk about somebody that has disappeared off the face of the earth in a sport. It's Teresa yes. Earnhardt. Oh, yes. Real you, quick. You – you can, you can be walking through as noisy as as the garage area is, Mark, and you say Teresa Earnhardt and, and heads turn. They snap around and, you know, where is that bitch? <laughs> and and they're looking like maybe somebody has spotted her, and you can just be having a conversation about her. Uh, I mean, uh, universally despised. Not everybody, not everybody likes Dale. Not everybody likes Dale Earnhardt Jr. Not everybody likes Dale Earnhardt Sr. Not everybody likes every driver, you know, and and uh, uh, but I think they all I think they all uh, are, are are universally. I have never heard anybody say a, a thing about her, about missing her, about wanting her presence. Uh, uh, I've never heard anybody say anything good about her. And I don't you never heard Dale say anything bad about her. He just doesn't mention her. He doesn't give her the, the time of day. Time of day. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't. Okay, uh, I I know we're going to wrap up very shortly, Mark. RG three, Robert Griffin the uh, third, the project at quarterback. You know, he and Andrew Luck went one one two, and uh, Andrew Luck's done done a much better job with Indianapolis than RG three has done with the uh, with the Redskins. Although they've won the same number of Super Bowls up to this point, but Kirk Cousins is going has been named the starter. Uh, Jay Gruden, John Gruden's little brother. Uh, is the head coach at Washington and uh, has been very vocal about uh, not being happy with RG3's uh, progress. I said when he was in in college, I don't know that that game transfers well over to the next level because running running when you're a college quarterback and a and 180-pound safety smacks you and knocks you out of bounds is different than running as an NFL quarterback and a safety that weighs two and a quarter is going faster than the guy that weighed 180 runs into you with the intent on putting your spleen outside of your body. Um, it makes a difference to you. And, and Robert Griffin has been nothing but injured just the way he plays, but his game didn't translate very well. And people saw that in Andrew Luck, his game did. He come out of Stanford. He played for Jim Harbaugh, comes out of Stanford. And, uh, you know, uh, here this guy is, uh, Oliver's, kid uh what, what a what a great thing but rg3 has lost his job to kirk cousins who is journeyman at best as far as as far as nfl quarterbacks go mark he absolutely positively without a question is not a franchise quarterback and to think that he has knocked off the franchise quarterback off that pedestal i don't think rg3 is going to play any more games for for the redskins unless he's forced into by an injury to kirk cousins and I think it's more of uh, Jay Gruden doesn't want – has no use for RG3, thinks he's a wasted spot on the roster because Kirk Cousins is not the guy you replace the number two pick in the draft with unless you're just tired of the number two pick. There are other quarterbacks out there with equal or better talent that were available than Kirk Cousins. Not to take anything away from Cousins. Good athlete, good guy, decent quarterback, but decent don't do it. That, that, that doesn't cut it in the NFL. And so RG3, I think he's done as a Washington Redskin. I think Daniel Snyder and, and, and the hierarchy there that, that picked him with the number two pick. Well, you take, a, you take a quarterback with your top pick, man. You talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. You got your eggs. You got the chicken. You got the rooster. You got every damn thing from the farm in that same basket. It better work. Or you, or you rebuild from the entire ground up. You know the Broncos uh, ended up with Peyton Manning. You get one, you get one, you hang on to him. And so RG three, his time is done in Washington, and uh, maybe done in the NFL. I don't know if anybody 
Is he going to give him a shot? The Raiders cut Trent Richardson, who was, I think, the fifth pick, third or fifth pick in the NFL draft, and he was a bust. Uh, you know, he, he didn't do much and didn't do much, and, and now the Raiders cut, cut – he didn't even make their 75-man roster. The Raiders cut Trent Richardson, who had a – what a great career the guy had at Alabama. When he came into the NFL, man, man, I mean, he was just a killer at Alabama. And I said, I said on our on our Good Sports page, yeah, you know, holes that were open early and often at Alabama were open rarely and never in the NFL. <laughs> Everybody's bigger and tougher and, and 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 stronger and faster. And and Richardson's game did not translate to that. You know, he never played a, a game in college, Mark, where his team wasn't the most dominant team, and didn't have almost every position covered with talent alone. He, I, I think his offensive line. I I don't know of. I think every last one of the, the, the people who played in front of, of Trent Richardson in Alabama definitely could have started for any of the other teams that, that they played against, with very rare exceptions, Mark. And now the guy goes to the NFL and can't make the, 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 the Oakland Raiders roster. And, uh, God, I love the Raiders, but, man, you know what a, what a waste of talent. But it didn't, it didn't translate to the pro game, and I think him and RG3 are in the very, very same boat. Uh, these guys were stars in college. They were, on, they were in a, a great system for their skill set in college, and it ain't there. It's not available in the NFL. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, adios to, uh, to Trent Richardson. He may be going to a Canadian team near you, uh, RG3. <laughs> you know, he's he's going to do something, but I, I don't believe it's going to be play uh, quarterback for the Washington Redskins. It ain't about time for the Redskins to change the damn name. Nope. No. Nope. No? No? Nope. Red lives don't matter? <laughs> I mean, how do we how do we stop it? Just one color. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. Uh, all right, Mark. Uh, Tom Brady's suspension was overturned. Uh, the NFL uh, going to uh, recapping now. The NFL is going to appeal that. I I I think they have they have a really really uphill, slippery icy slope. If they're ever going to get anything, it'll be a real surprise that this is overturned. And uh, it's it, you know yeah. I mean it's been a lot of crap and it's a, I I know the mental toll on, on, on all of them are, is, is going to be significant but I think that will overcome it and like I say as a Raider fan I'm happy for, I'm happy for the Patriots today I think it was a victory for football you know so, yes, so uh, anyhow Mark uh, yeah. see we're going to we're doing the boxing expo we're going to have the gloves out there maybe get a few more a uh, few more uh, autographs on there. Um, I guess that's about it, Mark. Uh, the U.S. Open's going on. Uh, Serena going for the Grand Slam. Uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, that's not as big a story as it was a few years ago. <laughs> you drive by tennis court, you've never seen it. Uh, you know, summer, it makes sense. Okay, it's 110 degrees, nobody's playing tennis. Yeah. You know, the, the other nine months out of the year, we have really good tennis weather. You still don't see many people out there on the tennis courts. I mean, they're just a place with lights and a net and skateboarders on there now that's what i see so i don't know uh anyhow uh i guess that's about it mark um uh, I, uh as as always i uh, appreciate your efforts buddy and i will be talking to you during the week folks uh we couldn't do it without you we we, we so much uh, appreciate the fact that you listen to us and, and and communicate with us and and enjoy our show and uh, uh <laughs> to our to our friend Luda Fisk, uh, we we certainly have enjoyed uh, interviewing him, and uh, and I, I I look forward to that being uh, part of the of the edited version of Good Sports. So, uh, anything else to add, Mark, on the way out? Nah, it's just going to be another fun week in paradise. Another day in paradise. You got it. All right. Well, for Mark Anthony and all of us here at Good Sports, I'm Rick Rosen. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week right here on Good Sports on GoodSportsMedia.com. Bye-bye. Bye.